You are listening to Eddie's Launchpad, the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, teachers and schools. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to Eddie's Launch Pads. It's the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, teachers and schools. Our guest on today's Launch Pad is Sue Atkins. Sue is Dogsthorpe Infant School's resident online family support advisor. It's always lovely to have her on the show. Once a month, Sue and I delve into our post and our online mailboxes to discuss important issues around family, school and work life. Well-being is a word frequently used these days, and rightfully so, because it should be at the forefront of our mind whenever we converse with one another or relate with one another. Sadly, the traumatic years that we've just travelled, the pressures on our finances, on our working demands, the lockdowns and how they affected the way we communicate with each other, and of course, there are our children with their own needs who are living through it too, and their own mental well-being. Pressure at work or in the home affects everyone, children, parents, teachers and head teachers. So let us today talk about well-being. Welcome to our show, Sue. Thank you for having me. Great to be back. Now, um, well-being is a a huge subject to start discussing. It's it's, it's big. But uh, perhaps we could cut it down into bite-sized pieces a bit and look at different areas. Now, um, there are families around who are are literally at the end of their tether. There's all sorts of things going on in families, financial issues and all sorts of stuff, uh, work commitments and all those sorts of pressures. Children who are getting back into the swing of getting back into school and all of those pressures and children, young children not wanting to come to school, all of those sorts of things. And that can lead to a very, very, um, what should I say, a summit of all of the emotions. And that's not helpful, is it? What, what, what advice can you give uh, families, particularly parents and carers, uh, in this attitude and how we should be in regard to well-being? Oh, gosh, it's such a big topic and... It needs, you know, to you need time sometimes away from your family. I call it me time. It's not selfish. It's self-care. Raising children, living through a cost of living crisis, coming out through the back of the pandemic. You live in difficult circumstances, perhaps with your partner not helping out, um, domestic violence or alcohol or you at the end of your tether there are many many reasons there's no finger pointing no judgment just observation and the more stressed you feel the more you feel you can't cope and the more you try and do often or not and so I'm going to get you to think about just for today stopping a little bit looking after yourself is crucial as a parent, whether you're a dad or a mum, it is very, very tiring, very demanding, very overwhelming. So you do need to go and take yourself off sometimes to just walk in nature. It sounds very simple, but it's not expensive. It is incredibly important to leave your phone behind or turn it off so that you listen to the birds, 
you feel the wind on your face, you feel the sunshine as we enter into spring a bit more, you look at the daffodils, it can recharge you, recharge your batteries. And it's a very simple thing. And it's not something to be, you know, oh, for goodness sake, I've got time to do that. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not able to take care of your kids or your relationships or your elderly mother. And so you do need to take care of yourself. So is it a bath, you know, with scented candles or, uh, you know, nice bubbles in it? Simple, inexpensive things where you shut the door, the kids are either in bed or someone is taking care of them and you have half an hour to yourself not to run through your to-do list, to actually do the opposite, to actually rebalance yourself, which is crucial. It's about looking at ways to see if you can get a break from the kids. If you haven't got a very supportive partner, could your neighbour mind them for an hour and you swap over next week and you mind hers for an hour? Is it asking someone to take them to the park, like grandma or granddad, who would willingly do it? They didn't think of it because you didn't ask them. And you get these little breaks, not every three months. You get them if you can each day. Is it to sit down with a cup of tea and a trashy magazine? When I used to come back from teaching other people's children, 35, four-year-olds at one point, and I had my own two kids, I would come back. And I would let them watch their TV programme at that time. I didn't let them just have willy-nilly for hours and hours on Game Boy and, you know, all their technology. But they did have their time in front of the telly. I came in, I made a cup of tea, I sat down. Sometimes I read the paper or whatever I would do that made me feel relaxed for half an hour before I started, you know, on the dinner on the homework, on the bath, on the bedtime story. You know, you need to replenish. I call it that running on empty time between sort of, I don't know, 4.30 and 6.30, where you need to think about it. These are small things that you can do, I think, to help you feel better and feel back in balance and a bit more in control of your life. Mm. Yes, I I totally agree with that. I I, I used to uh, enjoy going out for, for very, very long walks. I can't do it so much now. But uh, that used to blow the cobwebs away for me. But it is about, it can be just sitting down with a cup of tea and, and listening to your favourite music or, or, as you say, have a bath. All those sorts of things are, are valuable. So all you parents who are listening, think about this advice because it's, it's, it's well worth thinking about. I guess for <clears throat> young mums and particularly mums who've got a large family, it's not easy to get those quiet times, is it, Sue? No, it's not easy at all. And also I, when I'm working with clients, and I've got a, a blog about um, worries and my 10 tips about handling worries. I'll send it to you if you want to put it and post it mm. somewhere that might help your families, that'd be great. But also sometimes when I talk to people, I just say a very simple thing, and you could pause to ponder this, listeners, if you're listening to this today. Um, if I could wave a magic wand... What would you like me to change? Because that very simple question just starts to get you thinking when you're washing up or driving or when you're, you know, I don't know, putting away the ironing or something. It gets you thinking about, yeah, what, what needs to change? And then that will make you think, well, what do I need to do then? What very small step do I need to do? towards that don't overwhelm yourself with oh i need to leave i need to you know divorce i need to do something nothing big just what can i do to help me get a little bit more towards that goal that i've suddenly discovered that would really help me if my life had changed a little bit so start pondering that question because i think it then starts you on a different path what about 
children uh, particularly we we see this at dogsthorpe infants that we recognize within children that their mindfulness their well-being mental well-being is not in a in the right place at the minute uh, might be something going on at home might be something at school that we can deal with but more often than not it's a it's a community thing something's going on beyond um what advice can you give parents and carers who are listening and even teachers who listen to this um what what advice can you give of how we can deal with children and in what ways can we help them in their mental well-being? I think one of the things is for you to look after yourself, be calm, be consistent, be intentionally kind of listening to children, holding the space for them, allowing them to express themselves in healthy ways, not in unhealthy ways, like hitting another kid or something like that, and making sure that children have downtime as well. That, you know, if they're playing lots of sporty games on their uh, Game Boys and technology, they're buzzed up and they're not relaxed and that doesn't help them sleep sleep is a very important thing that parents sometimes overlook they find it difficult to get their kids into bed I write all about that I've got podcasts and I've got all sorts of videos and stuff around bedtimes uh, early morning rush hour gets very stressful and everyone starts off the day badly which I think is a shame so it's about helping children get calm there are meditational type guided meditations that I really love by my friend relaxed kids that are not expensive but they help a child go on a magical journey as they're falling asleep or during the day and when I was teaching I remember I was teaching in Horsham for a while and I had a class of eight-year-olds and when they came in from playtime at lunchtime we got into a habit of me doing I made it up <laughs> they were called I made them up and they were called the garden of dreams they put their hands and their heads down on the desk we calm them down from a very active, you know, physical playtime, which is great because they need to let off some steam. And then I just took them on a bit of a journey, you know, to the Garden of Dreams. And I was going to record them one day, but I didn't get around to it. It was all about just helping them. They felt grounded. They felt centred. They relaxed. And I remember loads of the kids started to draw pictures and say thank you and bring me in leaves from the garden. So I really enjoyed that. You know, here's a conquer. Uh, but it taught them to slow down and for themselves to learn to relax. And when you've got a lot going on in your family and it's frenetic and busy and there might be all sorts of difficulties going on, it's important that children then feel they have some sort of things, even if they're only little, that help calm them down and reassure them. So yeah, do look for ways as teachers and parents to help a child feel heard, because I think we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm absolutely it's and it's it's very easy isn't it that when we're not in a good place mentally as adults if we've got children and particularly young children they're soaking it up as well if if yeah. if we're not in a good place then they're not in a good place not that we would hurt them but they're, no. they're actually soaking it up like a sponge and we don't even realize it and um that's why we all need to be very careful all you parents and carers out there we need to be very careful and perhaps that's why we need to take Sue's advice and get away more. Because we're modelling it. And so one question, another simple question I ask parents when I'm working with them is, what are they learning from you? Because they're watching you, they're listening to you, they're observing you, they're copying you. They're learning everything from you. So if you're modelling you know, speaking disrespectfully to them or you're constantly angry or you're constantly stressed, then they're learning that's how you react to life. And we need to be mindful of maybe changing up that and trying to help them, you know, in different ways. So back 
to oneself as a teacher as a parent it's about you know thinking about your own well-being first it's not selfish i'll say it again it's self-care because we we had a um a child who came to dogsthorpe infant school who suddenly started swearing and using very bad swear words and Mm. um when we looked into it it was because his mum never used it but his dad did and when they set, when the family separated, when the couple separated, he went to stay with his dad. And because his dad always did it, he then learned it. And then it was all about having to reskill him so that yes. he didn't use it because it's not part of of common usage, particularly with with young children. I mean, he, he, but yeah. I don't think um, that the the young boy knew what he was saying was very, very no. rude because it was no. a, it was a part of, I think some adults do that as well, actually, that they swear and don't realize that what they're doing because it's, it becomes part of the normal conversation, but actually it's, it, it has to be nailed on the head quite quickly because young children just shouldn't use the language that that young boy was using at the time. No, absolutely. And I remember I tell a story when I'm doing speaking gigs and stuff like that about a girl called Bridget who was in my class at school and teenager and her mother had twins and she, her nose was well out of joint. I think we were about 15. And she actually used to take them on the swings and all of that and teach them swear words because it would wind her mum and dad up because she was so angry that she felt displaced suddenly. Mm. You know, she'd been the centre of attention for 15 years. Suddenly there were twins and it was like, well, you know, I've got time to talk to you. Mm. And so right at that moment of the top, you know, the teenager, years she felt a bit kind of dethroned as we call it in adler psychology Mm. so yeah it's important that children understand what is socially acceptable but this but the lesson here in the sense is they're just watching us all the time so if we're swearing they think that's normal because Mm. you know they're only you know they're infants aren't they 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 just copy us and if they look up to you look up to a dad or something they're gonna copy what he does and he Mm. says this and he says that and he swears with that and they don't understand it so we have to guide them we don't Mm. be cross with them necessarily but we do need to nip it in the bud because Mm. it's not helpful to them no no. you know that they come into school with it and other children Mm hearing it and then other mums and dads go well i don't want him around to play because he swears i mean it's it's strange isn't it over the years how that there are certain swear words that when i was when i was young and i know it was a long time ago folks but when i was young there were certain words really really serious swear words that i i never ever heard when i was young never never said it but obviously they were around but people just didn't use them in front of me even when i was at my dad dad's works they were never they were never said because i i guess yeah. because i was around however uh, nowadays really 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 serious swear words are said in cars when children are sitting yeah. on the back seat yeah. and the children just soak it up so then yeah. it becomes a norm that if you're annoyed yeah. about something, then say that word. And of course, if yeah. one particular, and in this particular case, this was this happened in the dad's case, he found it funny when the child did it. So he yeah, laughed. I know. Yes. Oh no, that's it. And the kid then thinks, oh, dad thinks that's funny, or mummy thinks yeah. that's okay or funny, isn't it? You know, let's do it. It's like when kids, if they kick you, and one of the, you know, you go, oh, that, oh gosh, he's cross, he kicked me. Well, the next time he kicks you, it's not mm. very funny, and you don't want him kicking no, people. No. So you have to, you have to be the grown up here. We are nurturing and guiding and, and helping to create the next adult in the world. 
So you have to think about it's a really important job what you're doing as a parent. It's a really hard job too. It's not all lovely and easy. Of course, there is joy and laughter in raising a child. That's just wonderful and a given. But it is overwhelming and tiring. And if you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, I want people listening to this to go, hmm, I need to tap into myself every sort of maybe three hours. Don't have to do a big thing, but it's like, oh, it's lunchtime. Mm, how am I feeling? I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. Right. What do I need to do? Some small thing to make myself feel back in balance. Then do it again, perhaps just before you pick up the kids from school, or you then do it before you start the bedtime routine or the tea rush or whatever it is that you're preparing. Tapping into yourself and becoming what I call self-aware can make a huge difference because then you go, oh no, I'm, I'm out of kilter here. I need to do this before I start that. Because you are a role model. You are teaching them everything. And the idea also, if you're getting to the end of your tether and you, you can't cope and your child can't cope and it's going to explode, it could become dangerous. I remember uh, up here in Selsden, walking, I was driving back from Pilates actually and I saw a dad and a little toddler walking along a very busy road here in Selston and the child was starting to run and he was running away from dad and it was coming to a t-junction with mm -hmm. four junctions of all these busy cars and the dad didn't say stop you know hold my hand or anything like that and then suddenly it all kind of exploded a bit and he grabbed him eventually but it was an accident waiting to happen because the dad hadn't kind of got in charge of it. He was at the end of his tether, kind of the child had run off. And you see it all, of, you know, in supermarkets and all sorts of places. So get aware before it gets to that point. Try and look after yourself. Do something, whatever it is, to calm the situation down for yourself so that you can then calm down your child. Because otherwise you're teaching a child to not be able to self-regulate. And that's quite dangerous in certain situations. Mm. Well, there we are, listeners. Perhaps you've had uh, times like that where perhaps you've you've come to the end of your tether and perhaps we just need to be aware of what's happening uh, and just be aware of it and work our way through it and find that quiet place to calm down. I guess it's it's more difficult with children, Sue, because um, we've got a we've got a, a thing in our country and perhaps around the world that children um uh, are motivated best when there's excitement you know let's do this let's do this you know whereas perhaps sometimes what they need is quiet calm yes because you know. they actually get overstimulated yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, work with, I work with families oh he's got adhd and actually the child hasn't he's overtired because mm. A display of hyperactivity is actually when a young child is actually not coping, haven't had enough rest, haven't had enough um, sleep. And so downtime is really important for the whole family at different times and model that. So sit down with a book and read to your child because that just centres them, calms them. You know, get slow down, deliberately make your voice speak slowly, hug them. You're bonding with them. You're helping them read. You're helping them with all sorts of stuff in school just by reading a story with them and to them. And those small things can really help. But do do find little moments throughout your day where you can just sort of bring everything down a notch or two so that you all feel more relaxed. Mm. Well, we've talked about well-being of, of parents and carers and, and of children. Perhaps we can talk about uh, teachers now. 
who, who are listening to this. We have lots of teachers who listen to this podcast, not just from Dogsthorpe Infant School. Um, recently, we've had the sad death of our head teacher due to a school inspection, and we're, we're all, we've all heard about that on the news, and a very sad case. And our, I'm sure our hearts and our thoughts go out to the family as they, they mourn her passing. But um, it has brought home this fact that our teachers are human too, and they suffer from stress and sometimes they feel low and perhaps uh, certain people in leadership, governments, <laughs> uh, people who have authority over us and maybe even parents, some parents don't realise that our teachers are human too and they suffer just as much as we all do. Well, you and I had a very good conversation before we came on air about Ruth Perry, because I was a deputy head for a number of years and I've worked under, you know, been under Ofsted. And I know the stress that teachers work under firsthand for many years, for 22 years as a teacher. And so well-being is right at the centre of everything there. And, you know, regardless of the political side of it, we talked a lot about Ofsted, but teachers go into teaching because they want to. You don't become a multimillionaire if you're a teacher, and that's not your driver. You're, you're a driver there to make a difference. You like children. You want to share your expertise or your knowledge with them. You don't just teach them the basics of geography. You are teaching them emotional, physical stuff as well when they're out running around and jumping and doing PE and doing games. You're doing their cognitive development, everything. You're doing their well-being, you know, especially if you're an infant teacher, you are completely holistic in everything that you do with your children. And teachers need to really take good care of themselves. Because I remember when I taught 35 four-year-olds, and I was young then, I was only 23. And I remember, you know, when this child knocked over the paint pot for the third time, didn't mean to, and the water went everywhere, and it spoiled another child's painting, and they were all crying and all that. I went into the cupboard, because I did need a minute or two to, to calm down, because mm. I was about, oh, God mm. sake. Mm. Um, and so that's what I did to let off the pressure so that I came back and smiled genuinely, not falsely, and went, right, okay, let's clear this up and let's sort it out what's gone on here. Because children are tiring and demanding and teachers do such a good job. They care. That's the important thing. So talk with them, work with them. I've just uh, writing an introduction to a book about parental engagement, actually, for teachers. Um, one of the ladies I interviewed a long time ago on my podcast, I, I got help to get uh, write a book uh, or get a book deal around parental engagement because it's so important that home and school work together and communicate. We're not fighting each other. You know, sometimes it's an issue of trust. But on the other hand, it's about schools listening to parents parents listening to teachers and then having the child at the center the well-being mm. of the child in all its form if you work together and build a bridge not a wall between you all wow it can only benefit the teachers the school the children society you know because teaching is such an important job you're there in loco parentis all day long in fact some children spend longer with you than they actually do talking and playing with their own parents because it's a full day at school. So be mindful of looking after yourself in self-care for teachers. And I do hope quite genuinely uh, that this will make a change around some of this Ofsted because if you judge a school just by one word, and I wrote a, a thought piece actually in LinkedIn around the word inadequate, because if someone described me as inadequate, 
that is so laden and yet they they let you know they give a label to a school that can and they post it outside on a big poster and you know that's just not the whole school or the whole thing and the whole picture and so I want people to really thank a teacher today if you do nothing else go in and thank your child's teacher go in and thank your child's head teacher because my goodness me they're up early they stay up late all working so hard because they love it to help you and your family and your child. So go and hug a teacher if you like today. Mm. You have my permission. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and of course, if the present government gets its way, uh, they want schools to be all schools, all schools to be open 8am through to 6pm. Uh, as all-round care and of course that means we'll we'll have the children even longer and um, that's you know if that's the way that legislation goes then we we, we presently do that through our, our all-round care we are open eight till six fortunately we've got uh, the the dogsthorpe den next door so they help us uh, with the, with the hours um so we're halfway there already but uh, but the whole point of of um of teachers is that they do have the children a very long time and it does it does get to us sometimes and and it's no good saying oh well that's what you're paid to do because we are human and I, I am worried about the way that um, teachers are treated I am worried um, about the way that uh, inspections go on so parents carers next time you're you're with your teacher outside in the playground think they're only human too and perhaps we should give them uh, their our thanks and our care and uh, if you're a teacher um try and get help if you feel like you're not uh not coping talk to somebody because i'm sure that your senior leadership team in the school where you work are more than happy to talk to you and to help you through it we've all got to get through this sue haven't we we've all got to help one another I feel it's all about community, you know, raising a child, they used to say takes a village and it really does. It takes us all. We're all part of the jigsaw. We're all doing our best and we love the kids. So let's sort of respect each other, support each other and care for each other. Well, that's it for another week, folks. Captain Dave and Eddie will be back again soon with another launch pad. They'll have more great guests, more places to see and more interesting things to share on the learning journey. So, until next week, be kind, be respectful, and always remember to dream, believe, and shine. This podcast is brought to you by Eddie Edster. This delightful Cavalier King Charles Spaniel offers hugs, paw shakes and high fives to help children of every age to dream, believe and shine.